Welcome to the Water Margin Podcast. This is episode 81. Last time, the Liangshan bandits had suffered a resounding defeat at the hands of the chain-linked cavalry under the command of the general Hu Yanzhuo. But then, one of their chieftains, Tang Long, the blacksmith, said that the cavalry could be countered by the barbed spear, but that only a cousin of his had the know-how to use that weapon. This cousin was named Xu Ning, the Golden Lancer, and he was a military instructor in the capital. In other words, he was a respectable, law-abiding citizen who would never consent to help bandits. But our heroes were like, yeah, we've heard that before. Let's trick, I mean, talk him into joining us. To do so, they sent their master thief, Shi Qian, to go steal Xu Ning's family heirloom, a suit of fine armor that was so dear to Xu Ning that he hung it from the ceiling in his bedroom. As we rejoined the narrative, Shi Qian had just absconded with said armor and made his way out of the capital, while Xu Ning was off on guard duty for the emperor. As the sun rose, so did the two maids in Xu Ning's household. They noticed that all the doors in the house were open. They panicked and immediately started checking to see if anything was missing. Everything seemed to be accounted for, so they went upstairs and told Xu Ning's wife, For some reason the doors are all open, but nothing seems to be missing. Xu Ning's wife immediately remembered something. Last night we heard sounds from the ceiling beams. You said it was mice fighting. Quick, go check the armor. A minute later, the maids started moaning and lament, and Xu Ning's wife panicked as well. Hurry, send someone to the palace to tell the master, ask him to come home soon, she said. So they sent three or four messengers in a row, but all of them came back and said that Xu Ning was by the emperor's side, and the imperial guard was keeping watch outside the palace, so nobody could go in. All they could do now was wait for Xu Ning to come home. As the hours passed, Xu Ning's wife and maids were consumed with worry. Finally, around dusk, Xu Ning came home, and before he even went inside his house, one of his neighbors flagged him down and told him, Your house has been burglarized! Your wife has been waiting for you! Xu Ning was taken aback and hurried inside. The maids met him at the front door and said, Master, when you left home around 5am, a thief slipped in and took only one thing, the leather box hanging from the ceiling beam. Xu Ning went, ah, crap! We can lose everything else, but that armor has been passed down through my family for four generations and had never been lost, he said. Someone once offered me 30,000 strings of coins for it, but I could not bear to part with it. I wanted to save it in case I need to wear it into battle one day. I was worried that something might happen to it, so I hung it from the rafters. Many people have asked to have just one look at it, and I told them that I don't have it anymore. If word gets out about this, I'm going to be a laughingstock. And now it's lost. What should I do? All night long, Xu Ning tossed and turned, and he told his wife, Whoever took that armor must have known about it and came specifically for it. I think the thief must have already been in the house when the light went out last night, his wife said. It must be somebody who wanted your armor and offered to buy it. When you refused them, they must have hired a master thief to come steal it. 
you should have people ask around quietly to find out where it is, and then decide what to do. Don't disturb the grass and alert the snake. When dawn approached, Xun Ning got up and sat around the house brooding. Around breakfast time, someone knocked on his front door. His orderly went to answer the door and came back and said, It's somebody named Tang Long. He said he's the son of the garrison commander at Yan'an Prefecture. Xu Ning quickly invited his visitor in, and Tang Long immediately kneeled and bowed to him and asked, Brother, I hope all is well. Xu Ning helped him up and said, I heard that my uncle had passed away, but because of my duties and the great distance to Yan'an, I could not attend his funeral, and I had no word on your whereabouts. Where have you been? What brings you here? It's a long story, Tang Long said. After my father died, my luck took a turn for the worse, and I drifted all over. Right now, I have come from Shandong province to see you. Xu Ning asked him to sit, and then arranged for wine and food to welcome him. Tang Long now took out two ingots of gold, weighing 20 taels. He handed them to Xu Ning and said, When my father passed, he left these and instructed me to give them to you. I had no one that I could trust, so I had not sent them. I have made this trip specifically to give them to you. <sighs> Uncle was so good to think of me, and I didn't even tend to him in any way, Xu Ning sighed. How can I repay his kindness? Oh, don't say that, brother. When my father was alive, he always talked about your martial prowess. He lamented that he could not see you because of the great distance, so he left these for you as a memento. Xu Ning thanked Tang Long for the gift and treated him to wine. As they were drinking, Xu Ning wore a big frown on his face. Seeing this, Tang Long asked, Brother, you look a bit unhappy. What's bothering you? <sighs> it's a long story, brother. I was burglarized last night. Oh, what did you lose? Nothing, except that goose feather armor called lion's fur that was passed down to me from my forefathers. That's why I am unhappy. I have seen that armor of yours, Tang Long said. It's unrivaled, and my father praised it to no end. Where were you keeping it? How did it get stolen? I put it in a leather box and hung it from the main beam in my bedroom. I don't know when that thief sneaked in and made off with it. What does that box look like? Tang Long asked. It's a red sheepskin box, and the armor inside is wrapped in a fragrant quilt made of silk. A red sheepskin box? Tang Long said with surprise. Does it have cloud head scepters stitched in white thread on the outside, with a lion playing with an embroidered ball in the middle? Brother, where did you see it? Xu Ning asked. So, last night, I was about 10 miles outside the city, drinking in a village tavern. I saw a dark skinny man with sharp eyes, and he was carrying that box on his shoulder pole. I wondered what was in the box, so I asked him as I was leaving, and he said, It used to hold armor, but now it's just storing some random clothes. That must be him. I noticed that he was limping. Why don't we go chase him down? Xu Ning leaped up and exclaimed, If we can catch him, then it would be a gift from heaven. Then let's not delay. Let's go right now, Tang Long said. So, Xu Ning quickly changed into some hemp sandals, strapped a short broadsword around his waist, and carried a long-handled broadsword in his hand. He and Tang Long then left the city through the east gate and rushed down the road. 
After a while, they came across a tavern. In an inconspicuous corner of the front wall, there was a little white circle. Hey, let's grab a quick bowl of wine, Tang Long suggested, and we can ask if they had seen the thief. So they went inside and sat down, and Tang Long asked the tavern keeper, Sir, have you seen a sharp-eyed, dark-skinny man come through here, carrying a red sheepskin box? Yes, the tavern keeper said. A man like that came through here last night with a red sheepskin box. He was limping. Hear that, brother? Tang Long said to Xu Ning. What do you think? Xu Ning could only sit in silence. They drank a quick bow, paid the tab, and got back on the road. After a while, they came across an inn. Again, in an inconspicuous corner of the front wall, there was a white circle. Tang Long stopped and said, Brother, I can't walk anymore. Let's stop here for the night and resume our chase tomorrow. But I am a government official. If I don't report for duty, my superior will not like it. What should I do? Xu Ning said. Oh, don't worry about that. Your wife will come up with a good excuse for you. Xu Ning decided that the family heirloom was worth calling in sick for, so they stayed at the inn that night. They asked the clerk at the inn whether he had seen the thief, and the clerk replied, Last night, a sharp-eyed, dark-skinny man stayed here. He slept in and did not leave until mid-morning. He asked for directions to Shandong province. Sounds like he's within reach, Tang Long said. If we get up at 3 a.m., we can catch up with him for sure. Once we catch him, then we'll know the whereabouts of the armor. So they got up at 3 a.m. and left the inn. Along the way, whenever they came across an establishment with a white circle on the wall, Tang Long stopped in to buy food or wine and asked if they had seen the thief, and every place said, yes, that guy just came through here. All the while, Xu Ning was itching to get his armor back, so he just followed Tang Long's lead. As evening was approaching, they came upon an ancient temple. In front of the temple, they saw none other than Shi Qian sitting under a tree. Hey, isn't that your box under the tree? Tang Long exclaimed. Xu Ning stomped over, grabbed Shi Qian by his collar, and roared, You've got some gall! Why did you steal my armor? Hey, 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 stop shouting, Shi Qian said. Yes, I stole your armor. What of it? What of it, you damn rude scoundrel? Xu Ning barked. Well, why don't you take a look at the box first, Shi Qian said. Tang Long opened the box, and it was empty. What did you do with my armor? Xu Ning barked at Shi Qian again. Okay, listen to me, Shi Qian said. My name is Zhang the First. I am from Tai'an Prefecture. There is a rich man there who wants to become acquainted with old General Zhong. He knew that you had a suit of goose feather armor that you refused to sell, so he hired me and a partner named Li III to go steal it. He promised us 10,000 strings of coins, but I fell from your rafters and hurt my leg and could not walk, so I let Li III take the armor and go on ahead, leaving the empty box with me. Even if you drag me into court and they beat me to death, I would not give up the name of my client. But if you keep the authorities out of this, then I can take you to go get your armor back. Xu Ning thought about it for a good while, but could not make up his mind about what to do. Tang Long now said, Brother, he can't escape, so let's just go with him to get your armor. If he fails to produce the armor, then we can still take him to court. Xu Ning agreed, so the three of them now set out. It was getting late, so they stopped at an inn. 
The next morning, they resumed their journey, and all along the way, Shi Qian kept buying them food and wine to apologize. In this way, another day passed. The next day, they hit the road again, and Xu Ning was getting quite impatient by now and wondering if he would ever see his armor again. As they were walking, they came across an empty cart hitched to three or four horses on the side of the road. Behind the cart was the driver, and the merchant stood to one side. When the merchant saw Tang Long walking by, he immediately fell to his knees and kowtowed. Brother, what are you doing here? Tang Long asked. I was doing business in Zhengzhou Prefecture on, on my way back to Tai'an Prefecture, the merchant replied. Perfect, the three of us need a lift, and we just so happen to be on our way to Tai'an Prefecture as well, Tang Long said. Oh yeah, I can definitely take the three of you. Tang Long was delighted and introduced the merchant to Xu Ning. Xu Ning asked who this was, and Tang Long said, I met him when I was offering a prayer at a monastery in Tai'an last year. His name is Li Yong, and he is a very honorable man. Well, in that case, since this Zhang I is struggling to walk, let's take a ride, Xu Ning said. So the three of them, along with the merchant, took a seat in the cart, and the driver started the cart down the road. Along the way, Xu Ning asked Shi Qian for the name of his client, but Shi Qian refused to give a straight answer, only telling him, Oh, it's a well-known Mr. Guo. Do you know a Mr. Guo in Tai'an? Xu Ning asked the merchant. Oh yeah, the merchant said. He is a wealthy man and loves to rub elbows with government officials, and he keeps a whole bevy of hangers on. Hearing this, Xu Ning felt a little bit better, figuring that since there is a reputable man at the heart of all this, he should be able to track down his armor, eventually. Along the way, the merchant started chatting about martial arts, and he also sang a few tunes. And in this way, another day passed. Boy, I sure hope Xu Ning's wife came up with a really good excuse for why he hasn't reported to work for three days. Later in the day, the merchant asked the driver to go buy some meat and wine. The driver returned with a gourd filled with wine. The merchant poured out a cup and offered it to Xu Ning first. Xu Ning accepted it and drank it all in one gulp. The merchant then told the driver to pour another cup. But as he did so, the driver's hand slipped and the gourd fell to the ground, spilling all the wine. While the merchant cursed the driver and told him to go get some more wine, Xu Ning suddenly started to drool out of the corner of his mouth, and a second later, he collapsed in the cart. Slowly, Xu Ning blinked and opened his eyes. He wasn't sure how much time had passed, and he had no idea where he was. All around him, though, stood strange men, along with his cousin Tang Long. He startled awake, sat up, and asked Tang Long what the heck was going on. Brother, hear me, Tang Long explained. I heard that Song Jiang was recruiting heroes from all over the land, so I became sworn brothers with Li Kui, the Black Whirlwind, and joined their gang. But now, we are under siege by Hu Yanzhuo. We had no answer for his Chengling cavalry, so I offered up the barbed spear. But only you know how to use it. So we came up with a scheme. We sent Shi Qian to go steal your armor, and then I went to lure you onto the road. After that, 
Yue He, the Iron Whistle, met us, disguised as the merchant. When we were passing near Liangshan, we drugged you and invited you here to be a chieftain. Uh, thanks a lot, cuz. Brother, you have ruined me, Xu Ning said. Song Jiang now came forward with wine cup in hand and said apologetically, We are only temporarily occupying this marsh. We are waiting for the court to grant us amnesty so we can do our utmost to serve the country. We have not dared to hoard treasure, slaughter innocents, or commit any dishonorable deed. I hope you can see the truth and join us in delivering justice on heaven's behalf. Next came Lin Chong the Pantherhead, who was a good friend of Xu Ning's when they were both instructors in the capital. Lin Chong said, Brother, I have been here for a good while too. I have often sung your praises to my brothers. Please do not refuse us. Xu Ning turned to Tang Long and said, Brother, you tricked me into coming here, but my wife and son will no doubt be arrested by the authorities. What of them? Song Jiang was like, Ah, oh, no worries, we got that covered as part of our generous family relocation benefit package. Then, the other top chieftains, Chao Gai, Wu Yong, and Gong Sun Sheng, all came to apologize and apply some peer pressure. And eventually, Xu Ning caved. It's not like he had any choice anyway. They then prepared for the usual welcome feast. Within 10 days, all the other chieftains they had dispatched had returned. Yang Lin, the multicolored leopard, came back with the family of Peng Qi, the former enemy general turned chieftain. Xue Yong, the sick tiger, came back with the family of Ling Zhen, another former enemy general turned chieftain. Li Yun, the green-eyed tiger, came back with five cartloads of artillery supplies. And a few days later, Dai Zong, the magic traveler, and Tang Long came back with Xu Ning's family. A surprised Xu Ning asked his wife how she came to be there, and she told him, When you didn't come back to report for duty, I pushed some bribes and just said that you were sick and laid up in bed, so they did not come to summon you. Then, cousin Tang Long came back with your armor and said, We got the armor, but brother Xu got sick on the way and is near death and in. He wants to see you and his son right away. So, he put me in a cart and drove us here. Hearing this, Xu Ning's reaction was, It's great to see you, hun, but where's my armor? Brother, you left my armor back at home, he said to Tang Long. Tang Long laughed and said, Brother, cheer up. After I helped your wife into the cart, I went back and fetched the armor. I also tricked the two maids into packing up your valuables. It's all here. Alas, we can't go back to the capital anymore, Xu Ning lamented. At that, Tang Long laughed and was like, Yeah, you don't know how right you are. Brother, let me tell you something else, he said with a smirk. On my way back, I came across a group of merchants. I put on your armor, smeared my face with soot, and then I robbed those merchants and told them that I was you. Sooner or later, the authorities in the capital will be calling for your arrest. Uh, come again? Brother, you've really ruined me, Xu Ning said. Chao Gai and Song Jiang now apologized again, saying, If we did not do this, how could we get you to agree to stay? Xu Ning was like, Yes, I know that, guys. That's kind of the whole point here, your involuntary recruitment tactics. But it was too late for that, so Xu Ning, like so many before him, stayed and joined the gang in the name of honor, 
he settled his family into some quarters and then got down to discussing with the other chieftains about how to defeat the Qingling cavalry. By now, production was complete on the barbed spears, so the chieftains asked Xu Ning to demonstrate how to wield it. Xu Ning told them to select some stout lackeys to learn the weapon. While everyone gathered in the Hall of Honor, Xu Ning put on a show, drawing compliments from everyone. He then told them, If you're using this weapon on horseback, you must swing from the waist, advance in seven moves, three hooks and four parries, then one stab and one cleave, a total of nine changes. If you're on foot, parry four times. This will open the door at the twelfth step. After a stirring training montage covering a couple weeks, about 700 lackeys had become skilled users of the barbed spear. Song Jiang and the other chieftains were delighted, and now they prepare for a rematch against Hu Yanzhuo. On the other side, Hu Yanzhuo had been leading his army to the edge of the marsh every day to challenge for battle, but the outlaws refused to answer the challenge. Instead, the enemy's navy kept a tight watch on the beaches, and they had set up hidden spikes in the water to prevent Hu Yanzhuo from crossing the marsh on boats. So, Hu Yanzhuo could not get close to the bandit's lair. One day, as dawn was breaking, Hu Yanzhuo was sitting in his command tent when his scouts rushed back and reported that the bandits were banging war drums and chanting war cries around the marsh. Hu Yanzhuo ordered his vanguard general Han Tao to go check it out, while he himself suited up and rode out with his army. When they arrived at the marsh's edge, they saw that Song Jiang was leading a large force on the other side of the water. As Hu Yanzhuo ordered his army to line up for battle, the vanguard general Han Tao came over and told him, There is a battalion of enemy infantry to the south. We don't know their numbers. Who cares about their numbers? Hu Yanzhuo scoffed. Just run them over with the Qingling cavalry. Han Tao now rode out with 500 men to conduct more recon. He saw another enemy force in the southeast. He was just about to send some men to investigate when more Liangshan banners rose up in the southwest. He reported back to Hu Yanzhuo that there were now three enemy forces to the south. Those knaves are holding back instead of coming out to fight. There must be deception afoot, Hu Yanzhuo said. Before he finished talking, a cannon shot rang out from the north. This must be the doing of that damn Ling Zhen, Hu Yanzhuo cursed. He must have turned brigand and taught the bandits how to use cannons. And now three more enemy forces appeared from the north. This must be the bandits' trick, Hu Yanzhuo said to Han Tao. Let's divide up forces. I'll go attack the enemies to the north, and you attack the ones to the south. They were just about to divide their army when another four battalions of outlaws rose up in the west. Hu Yanzhuo was getting worried now, but his trouble did not stop there. A string of cannon shots rang out from the north, landing on a nearby hill. That was followed by 49 shots from mother and son cannons. Even though Hu Yanzhuo's men weren't hit by any of the shots, it was enough to throw them into disarray. Hu Yanzhuo and Han Tao now ordered their troops to charge the enemy, who were all on foot. 
but all ten battalions of enemy infantry turned and fled whenever Hu Yanzhuo's men approached them. Hu Yanzhuo was getting pissed, so he led his troops and charged northward toward Songjiang. Songjiang's men now turned and scattered into the tall grass. Behind them, Hu Yanzhuo drove his chain cavalry forward, trying to stampede right over them. As the cavalry dashed into the tall grass, they suddenly heard a loud whistle. The next thing you know, countless barbed spears poked out from the grass and started tripping up horses and cutting off their legs. As the horses on the edges fell, the horses in the center fell into chaos, since they were all linked together. In the blink of an eye, the cavalry dissipated, and the bandits were busying themselves taking prisoners in the tall grass. Seeing his best weapon get taken out of commission, Hu Yanzhuo turned and rode toward the south to find Han Tao. And now, fire and wind cannon shots rained down on his troops, while all the enemy infantry stopped fleeing, turned, and became the hunter instead. With all their Qingling cavalry gone, Hu Yanzhuo and Han Tao rode around looking to gather up what remained of their forces and find a way out. They saw a few paths that were covered with enemy banners, so they did not dare to go that way. Instead, they rode toward the northwest. They had not gone two miles when their path was blocked by a squad of bandits, led by the brothers Mu Hong, the unrestrained, and Mu Chun, the little restrained, who were shouting, Defeated scoundrels! Stop! Hu Yanzhuo was pissed, and he rode forward, brandishing his twin steel rods. After just a few exchanges, though, the Mu brothers retreated. Hu Yanzhuo was wary of a trap, so he did not give chase, and instead just kept going north along the main road. Soon, another group of bandits appeared, led by the hunter brothers Xie Zhen and Xie Bao, each wielding a trident. Hu Yanzhuo exchanged blows with them for about five bouts, and they too turned and ran, while Hu Yanzhuo kept going. After less than a mile though, 24 barbed spears suddenly poked out from both sides of the road and swept toward Hu Yanzhuo along the ground. Hu Yanzhuo was in no mood to fight, so he turned and rode toward the northeast instead. There, he was met by the husband and wife odd couple of Wang Ying the stumpy tiger and Hu Sanyang the ten feet of steel. There was nowhere else to turn, so Hu Yanzhuo charged forward and broke through the enemy lines. The bandits gave chase for a bit, but Hu Yanzhuo managed to outpace them and kept riding toward the northeast. Eventually, his pursuers gave up the chase, but by now, Hu Yanzhuo was all by his lonesome. To see what Hu Yanzhuo would do after this devastating defeat, tune in to the next episode of the Water Margin Podcast. Also on the next episode, we catch up with a few heroes that we haven't heard from in a long time. So join us next time. Thanks for listening.